What's up you guys? Uh, it is September 1st. First day of our challenge and um, just came to kind of start unpacking my audio, to start writing some emails, to start dripping some stuff out to you. Clearly like everything I overcommit and uh, it will get done before the day is over that there will be some drip email out there. But this morning, here's you an initial video. First step, um, we are gonna run this in Workplace, so you should go and join the B2B Badass group in Workplace. Um, I'm going to put a few things out there. You'll have to deal with this. You all have to deal with me flowing this stuff, and by flow, that doesn't, it's not gonna be perfect. Um, and by perfect, it's also not going to be perfect in any way. It's going to be as raw and authentic as I can get, and I'll pull back from, yeah, whatever I can, but, so, this kicks it off. And I think this is a good place to kick it off. I actually came up here, I'm gonna see if the, the wind is low enough on top of this top of this giant rock. Um, in front of my amazing uh, tower to the Wi-Fi and cell phone gods right there um, to record some audio. Um, but I think that one of the things that people probably don't understand as we kind of kick in and, and this would be the Honestly, the, the beginning discussion would be that everything that most people think um, is the right way to do things, everything that you assume um, is, is the secret to success or the secrets to somebody's success, um, you have to understand that you most likely are wrong. Um, especially when you're, um, when you're studying a contrarian, when you're studying a David, when you're studying somebody who um, goes against the grain, um, I think that the number one concept you have to get in your mind is that most likely everything that you read in books, everything that you saw in movies about entrepreneurship um, potentially is wrong, right? Potentially it is wrong. Yeah, Lonnie laid in bed for 15 minutes talking myself into actually getting up. Me too. It's it's 7.20. I'm a little bit late this morning. I am not picky methodical about precise times uh, because sometimes I'm coming off of two days with like two hours of sleep each night. Um, but I am fairly methodical about what happens when I decide it's time to get started. Um, and so, again, the, the very first part is to understand it's most likely different than what you think it is. My life is most likely very different than what you think it is. Um, and the life of a disruptor, the life of a Steve Jobs, the life of Elon Musk, the life of those people um, is, is very much like social media is probably the best way to think about it. While they are popular and therefore you assume they have no privacy, you need to understand that even for them, what comes out on social media, the story that gets told is the rosy glossed over picture of it. Um, the, the best way to think about it is the story of a successful business person um, is, is told like a movie, um, meaning it's told for the crowd. Uh, the, the way it's told and the actual, like the storyline and the plot and all that stuff, it has to be summed up in two hours and it has to follow a certain trend line and it has to work out in the end and it has to be something that that the crowd relates to and that they believe would work and all those kind of things. It has to be something that's not you know, mostly depressing 
with moments of exhilaration. And so when you sum up or in our mind what we hope that entrepreneurship looks like or what we hope that uh, being a, a business disruptor looks like, um, we're hoping it's like a movie. We're hoping that yes, while there are struggle points, where there are all difficult things, where those, those, those moments of despair, well, I mean, we hope that people are there for that person. We hope that, you know, in the end, the, the crowd admits that he was right. We hope for all of those things as the person cheering that person on. You just need to remember one thing is that you hope for that most likely because you need that yourself. Um, because you're not sure that if it was different, you could do it. And this is the very kind of first part of if you want to get into the B2B world, there are normal paths to get in there. If you want to start a business, there are normal paths to do it. If you want to raise money and, and build a tech company, there are normal paths to get into it. But accepting those normal pathways means you accept the crowd's rules about what you must do. Meaning, if you accept the default pathway into the business world, into the big you know, Fortune 500 companies and that, you are accepting that they believe the starting point is a proper business education and an MBA, and that education, the, the more you've got, the fancier the college, the better your pedigree, the, the better places you worked, the process of leaving those places and becoming a consultant for McKinsey or something like that, that those things, those, those uh, accomplishments are required to become good at it. So when you try to then cater to that path or walk that path and you don't have those things, you're never going to prove them wrong. Like you're not going to prove that you don't need a degree to heart from Harvard to people who have degrees from Harvard. That, that proof is never going to be there. You're never going to win their acceptance. You're never going to win their accolades. Even when you, when you win, when you beat them, when you show proof or an evidence that your way worked, they will dismiss it, they will talk it down, they will say, yeah, but it was luck, it was some, and, and you have to understand, it's actually not about you. That's right there where it's at. The, the, the well-worn path, the well-walked trail, the, you know, the pathway that everybody else is on, the default path that's been prescribed by society, by the business society, by the business world of how you go about creating success um, is about them. It, it really is about those people on the path. They need conformity to it because if it's true, if that is the only true way to build a business, um, then they believe they will win because they're a step above you in the requirements it takes on that path. And they need that to be the right way because otherwise it calls into question a whole bunch of decisions they made. And so that's you know a big aha for me. It took me like decade and almost two decades to get to this realization that like I'm not I can't be doing going my path and walking my way in hopes that I will prove it's the right way because it's not because there isn't a right way. There is the best way given what you're trying to accomplish and given who you are in your starting point. And that that's really kind of the mind situation here. David versus Goliath being one of our best setups. Goliath's way wasn't right, David's way wasn't wrong. David wasn't lucky because he beat him. But also David's way wasn't right and Goliath's way wasn't wrong. It was given their own personal pedigree, right? Given their own personal pedigree, 
given what they were trying to accomplish and how they were trying to accomplish it, their approach was the right approach for them. Tested in battle, it appears that David's approach, given the way he changed the rules of the game, was victorious in that situation. But most business is not David versus Goliath. Like in most situations, it isn't me versus you and one of us dies and the other one wins. It isn't a competition like that. Um, because that competition, we, we need it because again, that's more of a perception of business. That's more of a perception of the default business approach that it is me versus you, that there is only one winner, that there can be only one winner, that second place is the first loser. Like all of those concepts have to do with the fact that winning is like the Olympics and there is gold, silver, and bronze. Um, instead of accepting the fact that even winning is based off of a very personal choice about what winning means to you. And therefore, if winning means something different to my business than somebody else's business, then, well, then there can't be only one winner because we are defining what winning equals. And so if you really want to embrace uh, the approach of, and you can call this whatever you want, whether it's pirates versus the Navy, whether it's David versus Goliath, whether it's a disruptor versus the status quo, whatever you want to call it, there are a handful of core concepts that you have to embrace or this path doesn't work, right? The, the first thing you have to embrace is this is a personal path and a personal struggle. From the very lowest employee and the very lowest job you have, it will always be a personal struggle, not a group struggle. Now, while you may be working with a loose band of people, the one core thing that you will see in almost every disruptor story, if it's told truthfully, is a personal struggle, most likely an internal one, a personal struggle. Now, it doesn't mean it wouldn't be great to have a crowd around you, and it doesn't mean it, it wouldn't be positive, and it's been way positive to me to have people in my corner and with me, but understand that even when there's a crowd of you sitting, standing around, all working on a common concept, you will be fighting against the river flowing in the opposite direction almost all the time, and it's actually best to embrace it, to accept it will be a personal struggle. Just think about, I can give you every even theor even movie story of this. Iron Man wasn't cool during his core struggle. You think about it, he was in a cave by himself. There was somebody there kind of helping him, but even that guy really didn't believe that it was gonna work, right? Um, David, nobody believed that that kid was gonna win. Even Neo, when he comes into the Matrix, like even his own team is doubting and even trying to get after him. Every underdog story, if you really boil it down, even when there appears to be a crowd of supporters, they still are not there supporting that person in the most important and the most, yeah, the most powerful part of the battle, which is inside of their own head. It's the the, bat, the battle to get out of bed is fought yourself in your head. The battle to get back up when you fail is, is fought inside your head. No matter how many people are around you, cheering you on or saying they got your back or believing with you or working with you on it, this battle is first fought in, first fought in your head. And if you can't win that battle, then none of the rest matters because when it's popular to make the, the move you're gonna make, um, it's not gonna be that hard. 
but also that most likely means that you've, you, those, that's not the hard decision. The, the hard decisions are inside of your head when everybody doubts you, when it doesn't even make sense to you potentially, but you just know inside it's the right thing. So this is the first commitment. If you want to hack your way into the B2B world, if you wanna break your way into the business world knowing that you don't have the right pedigree, if you want to win when other people say that you don't belong there, you shouldn't be winning, it shouldn't be working, the very first step, the very first commitment is to accept and embrace that this is not going to be popular, that the what I'm going to show you and what you're going to do will not be popular. It will not be written in some book somewhere that it's the right way to do it. And when it is written in the book somewhere, that means afterwards they're looking back saying it was the right thing, but nobody was saying it was the right thing initially, except for most likely the person and their team that they were doing it. That validation most likely comes after it works, not before. Therefore, there's not gonna be some spreadsheet to predict that it will work. There's not going to be a bunch of market validation. There's not gonna be analysts saying it's the right way. There's not gonna be VC. There's not gonna be any of those things predicting it. Um, today, this week, I ran into an entrepreneur that I met very early in my Applicant Pro journey, um, Ben from Bamboo. Um, I think we first met almost 14 years ago. Um, and if you actually roll back to what that was, what that meeting was, what it meant, how it worked, that was probably the first time I ran into another pirate and we passed ships in the night. And that's probably the best example of what it's like to have some pirates in your network. Ben and I ran into each other because I was trying to raise funding. I went out, took iApplicants at that point, I went through some different programs. I went through an accelerator program. I went to a speed pitching event that was put on by Brock Blake from Funding Universe, I think at the time is what it was called. Um, I pitched to a bunch of investors. Um, I pitched to, I mean, really important investors, people that have gone on to make really great investments, people who've gone on who are way richer than me. I pitched to all of those people and consistently I got two main feedbacks. Feedback number one was I was doing it wrong. Um, it was I needed to target big business, not small business. It was going to be too hard to bundle up all these small businesses to make money. Now, today that's been proven out that it's now an accepted path by people like Square and Squarespace, by people like QuickBooks. But back then it was not a proven path for tech companies to take. The right way, the, the most likely way to win was to go up market and focus on enterprise companies. To be honest, I didn't want to do that for one core reason. I was scared shitless of selling to them because I didn't believe that I could. I still to this day may not like working with them because now today it's probably because they don't, they don't do things the way I do things. Therefore, I'd rather hang out with scrappy people than hang out with, with that group. But back then it was, I was scared of that group. I was insecure trying to sell to them. But the second answer I got was we need somebody to validate the way you're doing it because and what you're doing because we don't know about that space and we don't know about the way you're approaching that space. Therefore, we're not sure that you'd be a good investment. Those individuals sent me to Ben. And Ben was there not because, because he was in the HR space, but even they didn't understand that Ben was behind me in the HR space and that we were doing different things. But they were sent to Ben because Ben had been successful. He had exited a company. He had exited Mingle Match, which was like 
LDS singles and Jewish singles and all the different singles dating sites. He had exited that company and made money and therefore he won their per permission and they'd won their respect that his opinion mattered about me because, because well, he'd done something they couldn't do. Therefore they assumed he'd be able to recognize it. Now this is the funny part of that entire thing was I was out seeking funding because I was told that was the right way to do. That was the right step to take. Ben was there bootstrapping, not taking funding because he didn't need it because he'd exited his other business. And the people who wanted to give me or I wanted money from told me to go talk to him and Ben told me not to take their money. So there you go. Um, it was the first, it was the first, uh, some of the first no's I got. It was offensive. It was offensive to me that I needed Ben's approval, even though I had more clients than he had. I was doing more revenue than he had. I'd been in the space more than he had. It was really hard on my ego for me to go to him or be told that I'd go to him to get his respect. There was actually another guy that I was sent to too that I now believe he's the founder of MX. Wildly successful, both of them. Both of them though were not more successful in my space at that point, but being told that I had to go and get their approval was super offensive. Um, and it took me a long time to get over that and accept that, like Ben was actually giving me good advice not to take their money, um, and that it wasn't about approval and the, a compliance or anything like that. But that right there is our first kind of lesson <clears throat> on getting into B2B if you're coming from an alternative path. You have to embrace <coughs> that you are taking the road less traveled. Therefore, there's not going to be cheering stands of crowds cheering for you as you're on it because it is the less traveled path. It is the less accepted path. Therefore, nobody's going to be out there looking for a random competitor to come down that path. So the cheering is going to have to be coming from inside of you. And more importantly, it doesn't sound like cheering at all. It doesn't sound like cheering inside. It sounds like the constant drive of trying to prove yourself to yourself um, that you are good enough to overcome the next challenge that's laid in front of you. That the way that you're being, you're feeling is the right way to do is going to work because it's the path of learning to trust that voice inside of you when even you might doubt it. And, and that really is our first step, this idea that this is a commitment to, I'm going to take the wrong path, I'm going to take society's wrong path, I'm going to take the path that supposedly isn't the, the well-worn path. Therefore, I have to accept everything that comes with it. I have to accept everything that comes with taking the alternate path, meaning I'm going to be walking an alternate way. I'm going to be using alternate tactics. I'm going to be speaking in alternate vocabulary. I'm going to be targeting an alternate client. I'm going to be, my marketing message is going to be the alternate. Um, the best example I have, which is kind of funny just in closing, so my girls um, who are now surprisingly enough growing out of some of their uh, teenage years because Maya was with me yesterday listening to, I think, Thrasher music or some BS like that and told the, the chiropractor we are at that she likes rock music. But my girls in the earlier days loved K-pop and what they really loved was emerging trends of music, whether that was anime from watching it, whether it was K-pop, whether it was Japanese, Vocaloid stuff. The one thing that they had consistent was they enjoyed the alternative to the crowd. 
They enjoyed being different. They embraced their difference. They were, we were listening to music in Korean and Japanese, even though they didn't understand it. And everybody who knew them was like, that's weird. And there was only a few people who accepted it and embraced it. And when it would become more mainstream, when BTS was on MTV, then they stopped liking it. And they picked another alternative, weird person. And, and that's probably, they don't know it. They don't know that it's probably in their DNA. They don't know how similar they are to me in different ways. Um, but me and Riley and Maya even are cut from the same cloth of, we pick the path that's not worn. And when the path we're on starts to feel trendy, we move to another path. It's not comfortable there. It gives you this eerie feeling um, that you're missing something when you're on the well-worn path, when things become readily accepted, it's no longer a blue ocean, it's a red ocean. Gary Vee says that it's not white space. I, I don't have enough room to breathe, to move. I need to be alone or to be one of the few walking a certain path, not alone without a team, but alone in my mentality and my approach because generally that's when I know I'm on the right path that will end up proving to be right. So that's our first goal. You gotta embrace this because if you don't, if you keep trying to appease the crowd, if you're trying to get acceptance, if you're trying to, you know, I'm not teaching you this stuff so that it becomes trendy. I'm not teaching you this stuff so that you can prove to your parents or to your family or to your husband or to the people you went to high school with. Like that proof will come regardless of you and is not the goal. That is not the outcome you're looking for. You will never get that validation. Your best bet is to stop looking for it. But there is this commitment that you've got to make inside of yourself that I will do the things everybody else thinks are weird and crazy and won't work when I feel inside and I will get to the point where the voice inside of me is the only agreement I need, the only person that I need to be all in with me when I roll into it. So thanks so much for listening today and we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later.